welcome to the Bronovo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. It's fine. Welcome That's, to the Bro Nouveau podcast. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to start over? No. And start a new conversation? No, for half an hour? No, it's okay. It's okay? Just keep going. Okay, so then the, what I was saying is that it seems like wherever you travel, it's, it sounds like that wherever you travel, you still want your parents to be part of your life, right? Yes, yes. And and my parents are older, Um that's how it usually goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So, so I, there's this like constant weight of like, uh, you know, I want to live this incredible life with Thomas and go gallivanting around the world. But like, be, I, I'm really feeling the weight of there's limited time with them. Mm. Um, thanks. Um, and yeah, so my way of kind of balancing that is still making sure that we're connected somehow. I also got them a digital frame that I like send photos to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they love it. They absolutely love it. Like anytime nice. I send a new picture, they like, they make sure to tell me. Um, yeah. That's actually so sweet. Maybe I should do the same thing because that, that's like sending them a personal message. Uh, it's not the cold WhatsApp message or yeah. Instagram. This is so sweet. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and they, they seriously love it. I set it up for them in the kitchen before I left, and so they see photos of us every day. <laughs> it's like watching the news. You wake up and you wonder, okay, what is Kendall doing today? Exactly. Oh, my God, so sweet. That's amazing. Exactly. And my parents' friends have even sent me text messages with just, like, photos of of the uh, whatever frame being like i saw you on the screen it's just nice yeah i guess i'm indeed we are, we are the opposite yeah we are we are the opposite <laughs> but but i wish i was more like you like i i wish i didn't have that guilt yeah and, and what about you babe like yeah do you feel like any of the pressure of of not being as connected to family do you think you are connected to family yeah Mm, yeah, I th- I think about it. Weirdly, I d- I don't feel much pressure from my immediate family at all. My parents, kind of similar to both of you, kind of raised us with. Well, because well, the thing was they left their home city, and moved to where I grew up. So that already is kind of a a base layer of like newness. Whereas my friends from home, they're like generations deep in this you know, in Philadelphia and Philly. So that's the real difference. I actually feel more like pressure, not pressure, but like weird feelings with my friend group because they're all doing stuff, hanging out. And I'm like, Oh no, I'm missing out. And I feel like very conscious of maintaining that. Um, but I think maybe I'm kind of a, a mix between you guys because I go home a lot still. Mm. When I was living in California, I went home like three or four times a year, you know, which was a lot. Is that a lot? <laughs> 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 because then I would be considered living at home. I went home like every month. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, 
yeah, I think that's this interesting, interesting thing. So I guess we'll just summarize. So I had a technical error, everyone. We just <laughs> recorded for half an hour and then with the wrong microphone. So just quick summary. Why don't we do one brief intro with you guys again, mm-hmm. and, and then I'll summarize what we talked about so far. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Kendall. Uh, I'm Thomas's girlfriend. And, um, yeah, we moved to the Philippines um, around July for uh, my job in tech. And uh, so we, we've just kind of been talking about uh, life as a – Digital nomad slash living in living in foreign countries. Mm-hmm. And I am Stefanos. I am from Greece, and I met these lovely people. We're working in the same space here in Manila. Um, I have been teaching video creation for the past two years. I've been a content creator for seven years, and now I have my own social media consultancy um, service. And that's me. Back yeah. to you. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> So we ran through kind of how we all ended up here. We're in a pretty cool co-working space. And uh, Stefan has talked about he's worked in co-working spaces for a long time and the value of that kind of having a space that's not home and not a traditional office where you can go meet people. It's more dynamic. And um, we're at one right now, which is pretty sweet. And then, yeah, we were just talking about kind of the – like dealing with the guilt or – like complications of leaving home, um, which is always always a good one. So one I would love to get your guys' perspectives on is kind of navigating a new culture. So how do you approach, you know, moving to a new place? Are you conscious of kind of cultural faux pas? Do you read up on the the norms? How do you kind of walk into that when you're going to a new country? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> so... I'd say that usually whenever I choose a location, I have um, friends there. I don't choose locations uh, like um, a vlogger where they just pick up, close their eyes, choose a country, and they go there and they figure out on the way because this is the exciting part of the vlog. I'd say that I usually have friends, so they kind of give me some guidelines. But whatever guidelines they give me, still, um, it's always a surprise. It's also a surprise because there, there are still some things that both of us think are perfectly normal. So my friends don't mention them because, okay, right. this is normal. And then when I face them, I'm like, why is everybody acting like that? <laughs> but that's the reason I travel. My dream when I was young was to be able to, to connect with people from everywhere. And I remember I had a girlfriend from France when I was 20, 20 21 years old. And that one day... We had this crazy fight, fight in brackets. It wasn't really a fight. You know, she calls me in the afternoon and says, are we, are we meeting tonight? And said, yes, but, you know, um, actually I have already talked to my friends. But you know what? I'm going to come by your place at night. Yes? Perfect. So in Greece, <laughs> when I said I'm going out with my friends, it meant that I will meet them at 10 p.m. So at 9.30, I get a phone call from an upset girlfriend saying... Where are you? You said you're going to come here at, in the evening and you didn't give me a call and I'm waiting for you. And I said, I haven't even met my friends. <laughs> when I said I'm coming, I met at 2, 3 a.m. So, you know, go to sleep and I'll just come and we'll talk in the morning. <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> that was the norm. So that was the moment that it hit me. 
we speak different languages. Uh-huh. And I said, I want to gap that. I want to, I don't want, things that I take for granted, I don't want to take them for granted anymore. And that's why I travel. So this has been the most mm. exciting part of my travels. And, every t- and I find myself now being more and more conscious and aware of, hey, ask some questions. Somebody said something. All right, let me just address it. Let me just say, hey, the way you said this thing, it made me feel a little bit awkward. Can you explain to me what it meant? Rather than jumping to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're very impolite. Mm-hmm. They're not friendly. So... That actually is is the definition of mindfulness and being present. So this is fantastic. So it works perfectly well. That's how I experience uh, different cultures. Uh, I don't know. You, Kendall? Um, Yeah. Well, when when Thomas asked, like, uh, like how do we kind of dive into things and do we just, yeah, go, like, blogger style (laughs) or or do do our research? Before we came, I... I typically just jump right in. My sisters and I have a um, a tradition of going to an airport with a pack bag for a specific temperature, and then whatever flight we could get on, we get on, and then we plan it from there. Like as soon as we were like cleared from the standby list, we got on the plane. Um, so I typically travel that way. But for here, um, yeah, I I read a couple books um, about the Philippines and and about business culture and just about like their culture in general i watched a bunch of youtube videos on it and that's because i didn't want to i mean i had a responsibility to do that i felt um just because i was managing a team um and it was really helpful in some ways and it was unhelpful in others (laughs) so (laughs) so for example like uh because i read this book about business etiquette in the philippines i knew to never chastise any any individual worker in public in front of anyone else um, and never really call someone out in front of their peers because it, it's just like something you just don't do. It's uh, Filipinos will feel very shameful. Whereas if you – I used to have a um, – a, what's it called? Uh, co-founder that was Israeli. And if something was going wrong, immediately he'd be like, you're doing this wrong. And and that's his culture. But yeah, anyway. So it was really helpful to nev- to know never to call someone out in public. Um, but then the, the faux pas that I read about, about the culture, I feel like I started looking for. And um, that was kind of disheartening to me because I was kind of looking for like the, the flaws that I had read about in Filipino culture before I even got here. Um, yeah. So I think like I was more, yeah, I was more ready to see what I had. Yeah. More ready to see what I had read. I think I just said the same thing like three times, but (laughs) (laughs) all good. Yeah. That's fascinating. Cause it's, yeah, I'm again, I'm kind of a, a mix between you guys. Sometimes I'll do a lot of, Perhaps sometimes I just don't do anything and just go. Yeah. And that's kind of more. But I've always seen, like, even with, like, shorter trips, a little bit of preparation goes a long way to know where to go and kind of know what to experience. Yeah. Um, so with the theme of the podcast, a lot of it's around, you know, developing empathy, identifying strong emotions. You know, you, I, Kendall, I know you very well, obviously. 
Stephanos we met pretty recently, but I feel like I've gotten to know you decently well. And at least to get like a, a, a gauge of your, you know, your spirit, if you will. So how did you guys develop into the people you are when it comes to being reflective, being self-aware, being empathetic and non-judgmental, I would say, because both of you I know don't, don't look to judge first. You're kind of fair in your assessment of people and give people a, a fair shot, which we need more of. So how, how did you get to that point? I'll need to think about that for a second. Mm. I think it all started when I start realizing things that I don't like. So let me give you an example. If I'm eating food, right, and there is something that I don't like in that dish, and I, I keep on asking, Mom, what's in that dish? I don't get it. I don't like it then eventually I will figure out that my mom puts chili sauce in it, and that's the unpleasant bit. So then I, I want to remove that and say, please, mom, can you do it without chili sauce? Or when I'm cooking myself, I will do it without chili sauce. So I find the element that annoys me. So throughout my life, I start realizing that there were some things that annoyed me. I didn't like feeling like that. So it all started by that. What is that feeling that I don't like? What is this interaction between colleagues, what is this interaction with my girlfriend? What is this interaction with my friends that I don't like, that makes me feel like that? So the more I was diving deeper, I figured out that it's a reaction um, to what people were saying. And the more I was diving deeper and deeper, I realized that, of course, I mean, we, all of us here know, obviously, that these reactions come from insecurities that I had and perceptions that and, and or some trauma that I had, so insecurities or trauma. The moment I figured that out for the first time in my life, I was around 27, then that I really dug deep in a very deep trauma and just was cured, got away, and I saw the difference. So then I had social, I had proof. Then I realized that, wait, that's the way. That's how you, that's how I solve my problems. So after that, it became like a routine. I started asking questions. I was always asking questions, but now I knew how to dig deep to find the answer. So that was maturity, I feel. Maturity was the techniques I discover to find the root of the problem. Um, sometimes I wouldn't be able to dig any deeper, so then I will just put it on the side and say, hey, this is not for now. Sometimes I would go deeper. So when I realized that my reactions, my bad characteristics, my bad characteristics in my character, let's say, were products of insecurities or trauma, then I realized that probably the same thing goes for every human being. Mm. So at this point, I start being more accepting. I'm still not where I would like to be. There's still way to go, so <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> this kind of guru that you are. <laughs> but I just understood that this is how I want to live my life. It, life is much easier when I don't judge people. My life is much easier when I don't judge people. My life is much easier when somebody says something offensive and instead of taking offense on it, I'm more like, why did you say that? And if, <laughs> yeah, but just, why did you say that? Or yeah. even, 
laugh it out, but really laugh it out. Don't right. try to pretend. Uh, discomfort. Exactly. Because this is the other, the other side that I'm <laughs> just laughing it out. And then I cannot sleep at night. But, no, but, <laughs> but nobody knows because I'm so cool. <laughs> so, no, honestly, I just want to live a better life. So my question every day I wake up is the same. How can I make my life a little bit better? And sometimes things happen and my life is not going to get better. But the question is always the same. Now that I'm in a downhill in my life, how can I make it better? Mm. Now that I'm in the uphill of my life, how can I make it even better? And the answer is this. Empathy, acceptance, mm. and not, not judging. Let every people do what they want. And if I disagree with something, because also... Um, not judging doesn't mean that you don't stand your ground for your beliefs. Even if I don't agree with something, then there is a nice way to disagree and a not nice way to disagree. Right. So I stand my ground. This is my beliefs. If we disagree, I will fight for my belief to what extent I think I should. And sometimes this extent is quite extreme. But the difference is that I don't feel passionate or vindictive about that mm. so i will go to an extreme to an extreme by being very calm just because i believe in the cause that makes my life so much better <laughs> thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED talk yeah. no, no. no you're just giving me things to think about what about you then hmm Yeah, how, how, um, how did I become an empathetic, empathetic person? Uh, well, thanks for the compliment. Um, I think my answer is kind of simple. I think um, I'm a really sensitive person. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, secondly, I'm the youngest child. And so I'm growing up because I was the youngest child and just because of my household dynamics, I never really, uh, I was always struggling to feel heard. Um, and I still feel that way in my family. The youngest child is like always like kind of like shut up. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think it's, my empathy comes from, from those two places of like being able to identify feelings in others because I felt those feelings myself and wanting to give people the ability to be heard. Yeah. Because I, because I, that's something that I always crave for. Mm. That I always crave. So you're treating the others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's that's my simple answer, but it's it's real. Yeah. Thomas, I want to hear yours as well now because this this was a good question. Yeah, yeah. I think there well one I was raised to be very polite and respectful. And in a way, I think that kind of shapes the reality around you, right? Like, <clears throat> like if you are a nice, respectful person and don't really give anyone a reason to have a problem with you, then I was more likely to 
be open-minded to them, right? Because if, if I'm not in conflict with you, then I don't really have a reason to dislike you. And of course, like you said, uh, Stefanos, there are times when there are things we have to stand up for and, and kind of not be easygoing. I think empathy, I was, I was a, a fat kid, you know, I was a husky boy, as we, <laughs> as we say. <laughs> and so I think just feeling that and like, uh, realizing that it's a, it's a shitty feeling to be obviously like bullied or made fun of that sucks, you know? And like also being a young kid and then like, you know, being a bully myself, right? Like the times when I was a kid and like being mean to someone or, you know, like either picking on a kid in school or like not standing up for a kid in school. Those, those moments are learning lessons and, and kind of realizing that like there's a right way to do things in a wrong way. My brother actually, um, <laughs> we, he, he wrote me this letter as a part of this retreat at my high school. And he was talking about, he was kind of talking about himself, but also like implying that he thinks I should operate this way too. He was like, he, he's like, I am a nerd or like was a geek kind of geeky guy growing up. And then he kind of grew up into this like big, like very masculine man. And he's like, and I see my role as like, I stand up for the people who can't stand up for themselves you know, and that really impacted me, um, and made me, I think kind of shape my worldview. And then, yeah, I just, I don't know. I have, I have a lot of, I don't, I don't, it's a kind of question like nature, nurture, you know, which comes first. But the reason I asked you all that question is just because I think it's a good thing to think about because it's, we all have problems and get caught up in our days and it's easy to not worry about empathy, but it goes so far to make, you know, are the the people around us happier and more comfortable? I would like to share something here um, because I just realized that I talked about my experience from a way to better my life where both of you, you took um, something that was hurtful um, in your life. So sometimes I, forgot, I forget that I was being bullied at school. Mm. I'm not joking. Mm. I forget that I was being bullied at school. Um, we haven't really figured out if it's because it's traumatic, so my brain is hiding it, or because I'm so past it You're and so I'm so it. grateful for yeah. who I am that, you know, unless there's something specific that triggers this point, this trauma, it really doesn't come in the surface. So, um, in the end, I, I believe something. This is what I do also in my courses, in my classes. I always trying to see what is the benefit for the individual? What is the actual benefit? So for example, I'm working with charities and I'm trying to tell them when you make videos, don't tell that this is a good thing, you know, give money and we're going to help children with cancer. Try to make the person who's donating feel that they are doing it for themselves because now you are a hero. You're donating this money. Mm. Look mm. what you are saving, what you are saving. Mm. So that's my approach with this kind of thing. Um, if, if we wanted, we could have religion or the government telling us, you need to be empathetic and we have to obey because if we weren't empathetic, there's going to be a fine or we're going to go to hell or whatever. And religion tried to do this in the medieval times in Europe, really tried to um, push for this kind of behavior. But what I believe is if I find a way to show you that you are really benefiting from this behavior, then this is a better teaching practice. And maybe this is why I've 
turn everything to, hey, by being empathetic, I'm actually doing good to myself, right? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating. That like your your teaching practice is now is kind of like incorporated into how you filter life, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And I've so many times I heard people saying that, you know, what's the point of being good anyway? I mean, everybody's trying to get you. And yes, then <laughs> then we're reading in the books that, you know, all these cool characters who say, oh, yeah, you know, but I'm not like them. But right. I I said that many times, but I didn't really believe it. And I'm pretty sure that many people say that as well. And they don't really believe it. They're like, yeah, I'm good for myself. You know, I see it's better, but they don't really believe it. They feel the frustration that... But why are they getting away with that? Why, why, why this, why that? So in the end, what I was trying to do, because I didn't believe it, I knew it was right, but I didn't really believe it. I tried to find a way to believe it. I tried to make it reality. And then I saw the benefits. And then I say, ah, I'm honest, not because I'm going to go to heaven or because I'm better than them. I'm honest because I sleep at night comfortably. Right. Right. So it's my benefit. So it comes back to that. That's great. Because ultimately we're all selfish beings, Mm. you know, and I think that's probably the most sustainable way to be, you know, empathetic or just overall like a good person is tie it into self-interest because that is never going to go away. (laughs) Is it wrong? I mean, is is self-interest wrong? No, definitely not. Yeah. I think it's it's the same as self-preservation or just survival. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to feed yourself, got to keep a shelter and, you know, that's our survival instinct. I think it's a very honest way of looking at things, right? You're saying like people are motivated by self-interest and same to you. Like you are motivated by self-interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that this had a negative quotation for quite a while, but in the last years, it we're going back to, you know, take care of yourself. I mean, you, you don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to suffer for right. others. You take care of yourself. And when you're good, then you're more inclined to help others as right, well. No. Right. Totally. No, I don't think it has a a negative connotation. I think it's just, it's like not veiling something. Like if you do a good deed, the fact like it's a forever question, right? Is any good deed truly selfless? And Mm. my answer is no, because no matter what, you end up feeling good about yourself or some, there's always some type of like uh, self, like there's always like something that benefits you if you do a good Mm -hmm. deed. Um, yeah, I think, I think your like way of looking at things is just like not putting anything behind a veil saying we're all motivated by self-interest. So let's like put it into that perspective. But do you feel that there are people who are afraid to feel good to have this feeling? Oh yeah. Yeah. Why, Why do you think that happens then? Why would someone choose to not feel good or feel guilty when they're feeling good or really want to make sure that, hey, hey, no, 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 I'm just doing it for others. It's not about me. (laughs) Probably because they never were allowed to feel loved as a kid. Could be. Seriously. Like if somebody grows up in an environment where they're like not loved or given the permission to feel good and it has to be like, either externally focused or, you know, not given that permission. Like all, the whole thing that we're talking about is kind of like self-discovery in late twenties and thirties. 
you know, I think there's a reason it takes that long for people to kind of come around to it because it's all about how we were raised in the environment we grew up in. Yeah, I, I believe that. Totally. Think about the households where parents say, like, do you know how much I gave up in order, like, for you? Mm. Right? Automatically, it instills this, like, uh, guilt. guilt, and you feel like you have this debt just by being alive, and so you're going to try and pay. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's like, oh, shit. And so, like, you never feel like you could truly be happy because it's because you have this other person who isn't fully happy because of you, because of your existence. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. Get involved in the conversation. Find me on Instagram at Pod, or send me an email, thomas at bronouveau.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Enjoy the rest of the show. be an unbearable burden yeah unbearable yeah wow all right one more spicy question you guys audience i'm sorry i messed up the audio but you got the warmed up parts of the conversation (laughs) so (laughs) the first half was just just tuning up um so stephanos you mentioned you know like the times when you have to fight for what you believe in Mm. What for each of you, and I'll go first to give you time to think, but what are each of you those things that you will stand up for? And if you see it, you say, hey, no, that's that's bullshit. Like, no. Hmm. Um, for me, I like am very um, like inspired or kind of bothered by issues of like power dynamics. You know, whether it's, you know, uh, a workplace bully or thinking about societally, you know, like um, um, a, a government institution that has power to abuse citizens or people who are born into a, like a, a low probability of a good outcome situation and society just kind of says, oh, that's that's fine. You know, and they're all very like a, a Mary centric for me because that's where we've been living and where I've been thinking about. But like, Things like there are a lot of American political topics that are centered around that. Um, One that I've been like thinking about, like how to deal with people you disagree with. Actually, it's kind of funny, but in the rugby space, there's a big um, like Pacific Islander influence. And those countries, a lot of them were Christianized. And so there's a lot of actually like pretty high profile professional rugby players who are like homophobes. Because that's what their culture, you know, in the islands or, you know, in their countries. And so things like that, like dealing with like how do you like how do how do or even like abortion topic in the United States, like these beliefs that people have that are so ingrained in their identity, but are so different to what my values are. 
Um, those are some of the ones that I think that kind of get me hot under the collar, uh, if you will. But what about you guys? What are the things that make you, you know, stop being Mr. or Miss Nice guy or girl? Mm. <laughs> Kendall, would you like to go first? Or you have something? I mean, what we were talking about even pre-podcast, but I could leave that to you if you wanted. Just a false, false advertising. Yeah, about education. Mm. Yeah, my, my mind didn't go exactly there. So b- before the podcast, we were talking with Kendall um, because I'm in education and I value education a lot since a kid. I just, I, I liked school. I had my issues at school, but I loved school. And um, that's why I wanted to teach. And even at some point, it didn't make financial sense for me to teach, but I kept on teaching because I, I just enjoyed it. So I would find time in my normal job as a production manager to teach. Um so I'm really getting upset when people are using teaching as an excuse to promote their agendas. So that could be a celebrity status. So, you know, I'm famous, I'm a famous influencer, and I make a course which is about education. But in reality, people are not getting any value. They're not getting any growth. They're just getting 10 minutes with their famous influencer. Now, is that wrong? That comes back to what we said before our judging. This is making my life harder. Because if the person is happy to spend $200 to be in the same room with, I don't know, with Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, if they want to spend that money, that, that's their money. They can do whatever they want. And if they feel happy and inspired, it's good. But if we have this course, sorry, Cristiano, that I'm using you as an example now, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> so, But if this course is marketed as a, you're going to learn how to be as a great football player as me, and there is mm-hmm. none, none of that in that, and it's just words of the air about commitment and everything, that feels cheap. And I guess everybody can choose how they're going to teach, but I guess there's a fine line between selling you know um selling an educational course to really help people go to the next step and just selling them a product to keep them in the loop so it's the self-help industry yes. which is created in a way i've read self-help books and part of the reason why i'm here is because of these books but i stopped after book four or five because i realized it's just the same thing with different words more or less but the way it's keeping people in the loop I don't like that. And I would say that this goes to, um, I really stand up for this kind of things. And because I work in curriculum development, I work with courses and I would always say, Hey, listen, (laughs) (laughs) this seems like something we should give up for free because there is no monetary value in it. This is type of things that it's very good as a starting funnel to bring people in. But on the other hand, I don't know. I feel that it's not my place also to judge. If I want to make a video by me, you know, just sitting on a chair, looking at the camera and sell it for a thousand dollars and people buy it, then that's fine. So I don't know. It's just that I'm very passionate about education. That's like the core question of capitalism. And where does the fault lie if someone is kind of wasteful with their money? And if there's someone opportunistic to take that money, is that a bad thing? that's a completely different question yeah but But i think that's kind of like the philosophical question right like behind what you're saying i don't know i really don't know (laughs) i I have i have a couple things so so 
Oh my God, um, give me an answer, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so just some anecdotes. But um, one, what you were kind of saying uh, before, which I love, the, the phrase is education versus inspiration. And oh. like the education is the value piece. Like you're giving someone something tangible to walk away with and better their lives. And inspiration is the way that you were saying, keeping them in the loop, right? Mm. Just to clarify that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping them in the loop by not really telling them anything at all, right? Like not providing them that valuable education piece. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I was understanding you correctly. Mm. And I, I am, right? But again, my, my question to this is, yeah. um, if the person comes out of this class and yeah. says, I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. What will I go and say to Cristiano <laughs> that your right. course is not good? I mean, I know one person is very satisfied. So, uh. I, th- I think it just means that the audience that's attending that may not be the audience that's truly interested in the education component. Maybe that they signed up because it is Ronaldo. And to come back to what we were discussing before, that comes back to the insecurities. The reason this is bothering me is because I feel that if... If Cristiano, my God, he should be sneezing. (laughs) If Cristiano Cristiano, uh, makes something and calls it an educational course, that contaminates my work. So it all comes back to my insecurity to do that. So, yeah, we answered two questions with one. Yeah. So yeah. What well, are you kind of then? <laughs> well, well, yeah. well I, answering your question, like my opinion is I don't think it's wrong um, because if they're satisfied. I think the false advertising is wrong, but if they're satisfied with it, then it's like, okay, so be it. Uh, it, it, it doesn't, then I flare down, but I hate false advertising. Um, what gets me hot and bothered? Uh, I... To th- I, I just, I hate seeing something, like, I hate seeing people treated unjustly. Um, yeah, I just hate it. Like, ever since I was little, if I saw someone being bullied, if I saw someone get, like, hit or punched, I like, I was always the first one to jump in. Um, and then just as an adult, I mean, it's actually, it's actually not a good thing i'm not touting it as as a good thing but um i stopped reading the news recently not recently maybe two years ago because i every single day i'd read the news and i get so absorbed that i felt like i couldn't even do anything um it was like a like a weighted blanket on me every single day um yeah i just hate like injustice in the most, I guess, abstract sense. Um, yeah. I, I, I could say more, but I won't. I know we're, we're up on time. No, I mean, like when we watch YouTube videos of like police officers, like, <laughs> yeah. like accusing people of, you know, theft or anything, Within the first like three seconds, I'm livid and crying, <laughs> and Thomas just like presses the space bar and is like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "No, like I can't, I can't watch this." Um, so it's not a good thing that I've had to like tune it out, but um, I haven't been able to find a balance because it just gets me so upset. Mm. Yeah. 
that's yeah. Thanks for sharing both of you. I mean, all three of ours are kind of tied up in that, right? Because yours is like it's not. Well, maybe it's more about diluting your value that you have with your products, but also like not having people be duped, you know? Uh, it's just that I truly believe in kids, right? I truly believe the future of the planet will always be the kids because if the kids have proper education, then they grow up to be proper adults. But if we're diluting education and we start making education very expensive, inaccessible, or we're just like, oh, you don't need to go to college. Come on, you're going to learn everything in our private $100 course, you know, in six weeks. <laughs> All these kind of things. Yeah. It just, and it's so much, so many things that people might not be able to find proper education. And without proper education, where are we going? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you both for your time. It's an absolute pleasure to chop it up with you. And uh, our first, first ever live, I guess, in person with three people podcast. So. <laughs> For, for my for, for my podcast, history is made, people. <laughs> uh, Stephanos, you just launched your your course. Mm-hmm. Where can people find it who have an interest in? Well, they can find me to ask me questions because in order to join this course, um, we need to make sure that this course is suitable for you. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn and on Instagram. So Stefanos Antipas, that is Stefanos with an F, S-T-E-F-A-N-O-S, and Antipas, A-N-T-Y-P-A-S. So this is both on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And you can just drop a message and you can take it from there. Awesome. I'll link to your stuff in the uh, description. Kendall, anything you want to promote? Anything you want to get get the word out? Find me on LinkedIn and offer me a job. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Okay. Thank you both.